Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Come on, how many know we serve a mighty God in this room? Do me a favor, on your way down, look at your neighbor and just say, what a mighty God we serve. Come on, you may be seated. Look at somebody else and just say, what a mighty God we serve. Old saints would say he looks, he sits high and he looks down low. We serve a God that is massive, that is massive, but not so far away and massive that he's not willing to be intimate and close. And he's proven that in the person of Jesus Christ. The fact that he is willing to wrap himself in flesh and come down and dwell amongst us, a mighty God willing to empty himself. That's humility. And that's the kind of Savior we serve. Well, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's so good to be honestly celebrating and dancing and, 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 and rapping and whatever we were doing. <laughs> it's so good to be doing all of that in the presence of our brothers and sisters. Shout out to you guys who are first-time visitors. I, I wasn't in here. Can I just see the hands? If you, this is the first time you're here. I saw some people over here. Welcome, y'all. Oh, welcome. What's up, y'all? Welcome. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for coming. Thank you guys for coming. It is, um, it is, uh, you don't have to be here. And so we are, we are grateful that you are here. And to everybody else, it's just always good to be uh, collectively coming together. Those of you who are at home, thank you for, for jumping in. You know, this morning I got up, I usually get up pretty early on Sunday mornings, and I got up and went downstairs and made myself some tea and started to pray. And I realized, like, you know, and this is okay, but for some reason this morning I felt a deep conviction over it. I was just really casual with my prayers and really casual with my time, just kind of like walking around like I was, you know, just chilling with the Father. And um, I, I'm not saying that's, that's not okay. Like you should be able to walk in the street and that's the kind of God we serve that he accepts our prayers no matter where we are. But for some reason this, this morning, um, I felt a deep conviction because I realized this is what I wasn't cognizant of as I was casually praying and, and, and just spending time with the Lord. I was not cognizant of the fact that I was in the presence of God and that the privilege to be in that presence brings. I think some of y'all think, you know, this is, you know, this is just entertainment or we just, you know, we just hear this is the Sunday thing we do. Like you are in the very presence of a great God and a great King that allows you and welcomes you and, and is excited that you are here. So welcome to church, y'all. Welcome to the presence of God. And certainly you can get that anywhere, but man, it's something about being together. Here's what Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 18, where two or three are gathered, there I will be in the midst. Do you know you may not see Jesus here, but his presence is sitting right next to you right now. And I don't want to take that for granted. I am grateful for the ability to be able to come back to church again, to be corporately worshiping Jesus together. Do me a favor, grab your Bible. It's time for the word of God. Meet me in Matthew chapter six. Excuse me, Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six is where we're going to hang out today. Um, couple of things that are coming up this week, a few things that I, you know, in the life of Epiphany, I'm so excited that we, we try as a church to make as many, um, I don't know, make available to you as many opportunities to create community and create fellowship and create friendship. And that was very intentional from the foundation of the church. We were like, man, we want to be a church that as the church gets bigger, it feels smaller because I'm known and I know and I'm, I'm connected with people. So many things that are happening this week, uh, the fourth Wednesday night, you guys said Bible study, it's prayer and Bible study. 
I was talking to the, to the staff earlier this week, and, you know, we do a staff devotional before we start our meetings, uh, our meeting, and um, I was talking to the staff about, um, like, just praying more, you know, no matter how good you are in your prayer life, we can always do better, and I was um, really pressing in on Colossians chapter 4 that we should continuously pray, um, and, and that means, like, pray without ceasing, that means, you know, are you always going to be on your knees praying? No, but you should never be far from a prayer. Prayer should always be close. And before I make decisions, before, you know, before you, you walk down that street, you know, you should be praying about any and everything. So we'll have prayer and Bible study this, uh, this fourth Wednesday. Jair is leading us, uh, believing in the light, the Lord's divine call to action. Really excited about, really excited about that Bible study. And then also on Friday is our worship night, uh, our worship team. Shout out to our worship team, the, the vocals, the band. We're grateful for... Just y'all faithfulness, man, and, and diligence. You know, there's a lot that goes into um, there's a lot that goes into making sure worship is happening. I think you guys look up here and it just happens every week, and we don't know the behind the scenes. But there are rehearsals, there's prayer, there's song selections, there's there's uh, making sure the band is right, making sure the vocals are right, and a lot goes into that. I'm excited about Friday. In fact, I have to I have to fly out in the morning, and I'll, I'll be back intentionally chose the flight to come back because I want to be back before, uh, before worship night because I just think it's going to be a rich, 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 rich night. And so I hope that you guys are here. Finally, real quick, coming up this week, uh, next Sunday, I typically don't announce when there's a, there's a guest preacher, but I'm excited to do so that, uh, this next Sunday. We have uh, an OG in the game. Bishop George Seawright will be with us from Abundant Life Family Worship Center. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but I was, I was there uh, preaching a few weeks ago at Abundant Life in Jersey, and uh, just a real mentor. Grew up, um, met not met him, but got introduced to his ministry at the age of 13, and just kind of grew up watching from afar. And to now be in mentorship with uh, Bishop Seawright, it's, it's just amazing. Um, and you know, just been married for over 40 years, scandal-free. I wish that we didn't have to say stuff like that. But y'all know we actually have to, we have to slip that in now, just... You know, y'all know the stuff that rises to social media, you know, where pastors are embezzling money, pastors aren't faithful to their spouses, just a whole bunch of foolishness. I, sh I shouldn't have to say, because it should be a given that he's faithful to his wife. It should, be, it should be a given, but unfortunately, we have to say stuff like that, but um, his integrity has always been encouraging to watch from afar, so excited. I hope you guys are here. I hope you guys come, and I hope you bring somebody with you, because it's just going to be a great Sunday. Before I dig in, I'm looking forward, but let me look back real quick. Yo, y'all really look like y'all had a great time at that fish fry on Monday. The Adroit look, it looked legit. Such a great idea. You know, you think about going to the park, you're always thinking about pulling out the grill. But on Juneteenth, they did a fish fry. And you know, Z is a master fish fryer. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about this. But there was a point where I felt like I saw him dig his hand into grease and flip the fish. When you, you, when you got that fish fry hand, that's, you know, that's what the old, I don't know if y'all ever seen, you know, videos of the old mothers used to stick their hand in their flipper real quick. I swear I saw Z do that. But, um, man, it looked like y'all had a great time. Was it seasoned well? Yes. All right, all right. Did we, we, that's, because, you know, unseasoned food messes up community. It's ungodly. It's ungodly. Unseasoned chicken, ungodly. Unclean chicken, ungodly. Unseasoned fish, ungodly. We need, we need that season to go all the way through. Tastes better. 
makes community better. All right, let me get in the word. I don't know what I'm doing. Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to hang out. Won't you pick me up? I was contemplating whether I was going to read all this in the first service, but I felt really good about jumping in and reading. So pick me up in verse 19. If you're there, if you could just say amen. Hey, if you, you, who has a physical Bible? Just, I'm not trying to shame nobody. I just want to see the spiritual people. One, two, three, four, <laughs> five, six, seven. Okay, wow. It was, it was four people in the first service. I was a little concerned. Um, now, I know y'all got devices. The reason I ask for physical copies, because if you write in your Bible, there's a couple things I, I'm hoping you would, sometimes I say it, but I, I genuinely want you to underline them or circle them or put a little note next to them. Pick me up in verse 13. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jump down to verse 24 real quick. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. There's the phrase I really want you to underline. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow, and they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed or dressed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass, another word for, for, for grass in the original is the wildflowers, I, that, that, I think that... That translation makes a little bit more sense to me. But as God has clothed the wildflowers of the fields, which today is alive and tomorrow was thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, here's that phrase again, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things will be added to you. Therefore, last time, here's that phrase, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, it's really a trust issue at the core. That's what it, it's really a trust issue. Well, we can say amen and go home, man. I think that point hit already. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Father, we, um, we really do. I, I believe that this room and those who are, who are online right now, I, I believe that we want to trust you. That's our heart. That's our disposition. I think no shame or shade to anybody. I, I genuinely think that we want to follow you the best way we can. And so, Lord, I pray that you would get after our hearts purely based on your word. May I not throw my opinion loosely throughout this time, but Lord, may this time be directly devoted to hearing what it is that you would have to say. We thank you that we serve a God that speaks, that talks to us, that communicates with us. You don't have to, 
But Lord, oftentimes we're not listening. So Lord, I pray that you would sharpen discernment in this room to clarify your voice, remove the distractions today. Lord, I pray if, if the iron is left on, Lord, protect the house. Move that stuff out the way now, Lord, so we can pay attention and hear what it is that you're saying to your church. It's in the name of your son we give glory and honor. Amen. It's really a trust issue. Uh, earlier this week, I was um, a few times throughout a week, I, I try to come into this room and pray. I try to do so when nobody is here. And on Tuesday, this past Tuesday was a good was a good day for me to do that. Like literally nobody was here. There was no staff here. Typically there's somebody that's in the building. Um, uh, and so, so this specific Tuesday, I came in here and I was upstairs praying. I was praying, you know, in the kids area. I was basically praying for your, your kids. I, was, I went into the tech room and I was praying in the tech room over uh, the equipment. I was praying for the, the uh, volunteers that are in there even right now. I came down here to the sanctuary and I begin to pray. And sometimes I literally walk the seats and, and I, I may not know everybody's name, but I see your face and I'll think about you or I'll think about a story that you shared or a prayer request you shared. And I spend time in this room with nobody here and I just, I, I pray. And I'm praying this last Tuesday, I prayed over so many things. I prayed over the mission of our church. I prayed over the leaders of our church. I prayed over the volunteers. I prayed, hold that, I prayed that strongholds and deliverances would be broken in this room. Prayed that addictions would be broken. And as I was praying, um, I really started to pray a, a lengthier prayer, specifically around the topic around your spiritual growth. I was praying for the spiritual growth of the church. I, I just don't want to be a part of a church. I was going to say pastor, but I don't really want to be a part of a church where nobody's growing, where everybody's the same year over year. There's, there's no dedication to the Lord. There's no real commitment. There's no overcoming of those strongholds. Like I want to be a part of a church where slowly but surely there's progress in our spiritual life. Anybody else want to be a part of a church that's spiritually growing? Like I'm, tired of the, I'm tired of those days where we're just a part of a church where we just come together and do church. Like I want to I grow. I want to be serious about my faith. And so I was praying for the church and I, I sat down right over here on the stage. And again, nobody was in here. I just sat down. And as I was praying, I begin to ask the Lord because I feel as the lead pastor here, I feel that there is a bit of responsibility I have to ensure that the conditions are right for you to spiritually grow. Because there are some places that you could grow that are not conducive for your spiritual growth. It just doesn't set you up well. And so I begin to pray. I was sitting right here and I spent some time praying and I begin to say, Lord, what would help the members and the attenders that are on their way toward membership? What would help Epiphany reach the next level in our spiritual growth? Like, I believe that I believe everybody in the room wants to grow. I believe you have a desire to grow. I believe something deep inside you is saying that I don't want to stay the same. But Lord, what is keeping us stagnant? What is keeping us here? What's, what's keeping us from, from really pressing into you? And as I was praying, I really felt the Lord crystallize one of the areas, not all of them, but one of the areas that is hindering our growth in the room. And I'm talking about you as an individual. And here it is. It's not going to make sense at first, but let me work through the text. And I think it will. There is a need to be freed from the anxiety of money. There's a deep need for us to be freed up because many of us, we don't treat money as, 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 as a tool that helps us to trust the Lord more. We treat money as though it is a tyrant that has you bondage. And I know you're sitting here going, what does money have to do with my spiritual life? What does money have to do with my spiritual life? According to Jesus, everything. 
everything because money is no longer actually about money. If you really read and search the scriptures, money really is testing where your spiritual life is growing or not growing. It tests where your heart really, really is because money really isn't about money. You can make a whole bunch of money and miss Jesus. A whole bunch of money and miss Jesus. And so many of us are chasing stuff that God is like, stop chasing that and chase me. In fact, he talks about masters. Chase me. I'm a better master than your bank account. And so I believe that freedom and trust needs to be birthed in this room, but it needs to be birthed by looking at the scriptures. Now, here's what Jesus does. Jesus, one out of every three of Jesus' sermons is actually on money. Now, I usually stay away from the topic because I feel like the church historically, not this is a broad statement, but stay with me. For some reason, I feel like the church historically has not done well with money. And so uh, many people are bruised and hurt when they think about money. And there's, they're, they're, you've seen pastors that have, have abused money. And, and we, we've seen pastors that were all about money and, and that, you know, the private jet. And, and so we have this thing deep in our mind. The church is always about money. But in reality, listen, Jesus was never, ever, ever, ever trying to rob anybody of anything talking about generosity and stewardship, he actually was trying to give you something. Because here's what I found out about money. Money is the one area of most of our lives that is causing the most stress, anxiety, and uneasiness. I know it's right. And here, here's, how I, how, here's how I know that to be true. Because if you really understand your, your tension and your, your issues, even specifically within marriage, a lot of our marital issues revolves around money. People get divorced over money. Even our decisions that we make Many of us have made decisions that were outside of the will of God, and really it was two reasons. Either we were, it was out of desperation where we needed, you know, we needed money, and so we just made, we made quick decisions, and we didn't consult the Lord, and you found yourself way off far from where God wanted you to be. Why? Because you were chasing the bag. Many of us have made decisions to take a job because it was more money and now you are physically and mentally and, and emotionally and spiritually burnt out. Don't ever take a job for money. Don't do it. And, and you know, I'm, I'm saying this to a room full of, honestly, I think very successful people. And, and you might be going, ah, nah, my bills, is, they piled up. But if you go to a third world country, you are successful. And so many times we, we consider the issues that we have in life, but we don't realize that a lot of our issues are really being stirred up from, from buddy. Even those of you who are dating, dating causes, I mean, money causes a lot of issues even within dating. One of the things I keep hearing about, and let me just tighten the brothers up for a second. I know I'm from a little bit of a generation, there's a generational gap between a 43-year-old and a 20-year-old, but a lot of young ladies are coming to me telling me that they have to pay for dates. And again, I know, listen, my generation didn't do everything right when it came to dating, but the one area we did right, all of my boys knew, and we had an understanding that if you invited a young lady out to dinner, there shouldn't be that moment where we stare awkwardly when the, when the leather, you know, the leather binder comes with the check in it. Why we got that moment where we, like, bro, grab the check. Pastor B, you from a different generation. Nah, you just giving bum vibes, bro. That's what it really is. You know that, that moment where you like, I'm going to pay the bill now, but I need you to cash at me. Bro, really? You pay the tax and tip, and I'm going to take care of the food. Bro, just pay it all. Money causes issues. 
even issues within, within dating. And so because money has caused so many issues, we need to be freed up from the tyranny. And that's what it is. Money has become a lord and a master, and it's a cruel lord. It's a, it's a cruel master, and it's really guided your heart. And you might be sitting here going, nah, but I give. But it, still, you know you can give and be generous and still have money as the tyrant that is the lord over your life. It is a, supposed to be a tool that helps you to trust God even more. And one of the ways that you really, one of the exercises that you can do in order to trust in God is being generous. Now, my, my son, my, old, my older son got a, um, he just got a new job and he's been working for a few weeks and you know how you got work and didn't get the check. So he wouldn't understand that. Like, man, I've been working, I've been working, waiting for this check. He finally got his check this week. He like, yo, that man, yo, this check. <laughs> I'm like, man, that's my, how much was he? So he told me how much it was. And it was the biggest check that he's ever received. I'm like, man, that's, that's dope. So, I, so me and Ty have two different things we got to talk to him about. Ty wants to talk to him about saving. Praise God. I want to talk to him about tithing. And the reason I want to talk to him about that is because my parents, which are sitting here right now, taught me how to tithe. They gave me a dollar every single offer. Anybody grew up in a household where parents slipped you a little money, said, baby, go put that in the plate. Put that in a plate. You know, and y'all know what plate I'm talking about, the gold plate with that, with that, with that velvet. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I think we all grew up in the same household. I'm talking to my son. I'm like, man, that's praise God. You got, you got more money. Do you remember how much you were tithing in the last, you know, in, in, on the last job? And, you know, 10% is kind of a, is, is a benchmark. You know, there's actually not strong... Um, Malachi talks about this, but there's not like a, that's not like a set rule. Some of you, God ain't calling you to give 10. He's calling you to give more. I, and I know this to be true. I know people that do reverse tithing. They actually tithe 90 and live off 10. And they're blessed. And you might be going, how are they able to do it? They do it. And so I'm not going to say 10 across the board, but I will say, I was talking to my son. I said, man, this is a good benchmark. Don't do lower than 10, especially just to go back to that bill. When that tip starts at 18. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And sometimes they don't even let you choose that. They put that baby right on in the bill for you. And so I'm like, man, 10%. He's like, all right, you know, I can do that. And I guess he thought about the math. Because like, wait, 10% on that last job was, was, was easier. 10% on what I'm making now, that's just a lot more money. And I'm like, yeah, it is. But you know who gave you the increase? You, you know who gave you the money? Because oftentimes we think about we think about money as though it's our money. Your money ain't your money. Everything you have, God gave you. Every, every dime. No, nah, Pastor B, I worked hard for it. I went to school for it. But who gave you the, the ingenuity? Who, who knitted you together in your mother's womb so that you knew how to be on your grind? You might have worked hard, but God always gets the credit. And so I, I really want to help us with this idea of generosity. Write this down. Generosity is not what God wants from you. Generosity is what God wants for you. And if we reverse our thinking on this, all of us in this room, there are that, there's that moment where we think God is trying to rob you of some type of joy. But God isn't trying to rob you of joy. He's trying to give you joy. Please understand, when, 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 when Jesus preached about money one out of every three sermons, he wasn't doing so because he was in need. He realized that the people he was preaching to needed to know what it looked like to trust God with their resources. Here is how I know that to be true. Because one out of every three sermons was on money, but you can't point me to a place where Jesus raised the offering. 
You know why he didn't? Because he didn't need it. He could cause a, a little boy that got a lunch with two fish and five loaves and feed everybody. He could tell Peter, throw the net on the other side, and then he bring in the other, you know, one of them Z fish fries. Jesus knows how to do that. So Jesus doesn't need your money. If you're sitting here going, here we go. The pastor got to be preaching about money. Keep your money because the kingdom going to move forward whether you give a dime or not. Y'all know that, right? Like God ain't held hostage because we ain't giving. He's not trying to rob you. He's trying to give you. He's trying to give you something. And so we arrive at a passage that Jesus is going to help us with our biggest issue, which is trust. And you think that the thing that's going to help you with trust is a bunch of different areas. Maybe the one I'm telling you, as I sit there, God was very clear with me that the one area that is holding you stagnant and holding you hostage is generosity, stewardship and money. Now, I'm not afraid to lean into this today. You know why? Because I'm preaching this and it's not bragging. I'm preaching this as a practitioner who is given to God since I was a teenager. Since I was a teenager, I've always I've always got money and gave God something. I don't know what it's like to get money from God and not give it back to him. I have no concept of what that's like. The reason is because it has become a spiritual discipline. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I ran into some unexpected money. Y'all know, y'all never get that, like that, you know, that blessing come through. And you're like, I wasn't expecting this. Like, praise God. I got, a, I got an unexpected, I got some unexpected money, but I also had an unexpected bill. And it was, I was expecting that the bill was coming. I didn't expect the bill to be as much as it was. And God provided, man. God gave some unexpected money for an unexpected bill. And, you know, Ty runs our finances. And so we worked it out. And I told, you know, told Ty what I was, you know, you know, about this unexpected money, what I could do. And so we paid, we paid the bill off. And Ty is so gracious. I had a little extra, you know, left over. And Ty was like, you can keep that for yourself. I was like, praise God. You know, Ty, Ty really runs. So I was like, praise God. Now, here's what I did. I immediately, immediately started to think about 10 things that I wanted. But I zoomed in on this one thing. I don't know if y'all know the new drops for Jordans in, 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 in June, but they have a new Jordans come out called the Rose of Harlow. Oh, my gosh. You know, they, they, they orange or reddish orange. They got the stitch swoosh. Oh, they nasty. They got yellow laces. And I'm sitting there like Pookie from New Jack City, like a, like a crackhead on my laptop going, oh, I got to find them. I got to find them. I'm on GOAT. They charge too much on GOAT. I'm on Stadium Goods. They charge it too much on... I'm looking for somebody, a reseller. I'm like, somebody got these dropped already. Somebody... I couldn't find them, but I was searching. I was searching. In the moment I was searching, God, I'm telling you, I heard it clear as day. God said, ah, oh, you thought the extra money was for you. I had to give every dime of that extra money back to the Lord. I'm on Epiphany's website like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, God, I'm already giving. Like, I don't want to give the extra too. And God, God, you know why he had to do that to my heart? Because I think as I was searching on my laptop like Pookie from New Jack City, I genuinely think the Lord saw another master at my heart. That's what I think he saw. I think he was like, man, he from website to website to website. And so he stepped in and, and, and he made me realize, God, he made me realize in his grace that he was my master and that's who I should trust, that he provided for me and I should give back to him. And so I had a choice. And here's the choice, verse 24. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other 
or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I'm telling you, in that moment where I was, I decided that I would give of this extra money back to the Lord is the moment that God was redirecting my heart back to him and I needed it. I needed it. You know why? I already got Jordans. God's like, you don't, you don't, you don't need no more. But there's some things I can do with this money. And I'm, we're going to talk about that in a second. God redirected my heart. And I think for many of you in this room, I don't think you realize how much money is a master over your heart. And for some of you, even right now, I think God is redirecting some things. Now, this phrase that Jesus uses in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll love one or hate the other. And then he goes on at the end of it and say, you can't serve God and money. He's actually said this verbatim before. Now, the reason I ask who has physical Bibles, because if you write in your Bible, do me a favor. Next to verse 24, I need you to write Luke 16, verse 13. Because Jesus says verbatim the same thing in another passage. Now, you're sitting there going, well, of course he did. It's the synoptic gospels. They tell the same stories. But no, 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 no. Jesus is giving a, a, a story right now in Matthew 6, but he preaches a whole nother sermon in Luke 16. Because Luke 16 is about the, dis, the parable of the dishonest manager. And so Jesus says the same thing to two different crowds and two different sermons because Jesus is trying to get a point across. He really does believe that he's a better master than money. He really believes that. And I know you, you know, God, I think what he's doing is he's trying to get us to believe that he is a better Lord. He is a better master and that we should trust in him and him alone. When it comes to money, I realize that there's, there's three types of people. There's three types of people. Write this down if you're taking notes. It'll pop up on the screen. Here, here are the three types of people when it comes to money. There's spenders. Somebody say spenders. There's savers. Somebody say savers. And then there's stewards. Somebody say stewards. Now, just by show of hands, because that's your boy. I'm a spender. I'm a spender. I, I think about money short term. Anybody else like that? Show of hands. Who's a spender? Nafisa, you a spender? I see these. Look at the room. Hold your hand up high. Be, be proud. I spend money. I see you, Chelsea. Chelsea waving the hands. Spend a lot. By show of hands, how many people are savers? You're a, you're a, come on, hold that hand up. You're a good saver. Now, now here's, the thing about, here's the thing about spenders. I realize at the core of my spending is really me searching for happiness. The reason I wanted those Jordans is because they make me happy. And so many of you in the room, you spend because it gives you that temporary, it gives you a temporary satisfaction and it gives you a happiness. Now, savers are different. Savers aren't looking at happiness. They're looking at security. So you're thinking six months down the lines, I got I to gotta stack six months in the bank. You know, you got that plan already, you know, for the kids. You got that money for a rainy day. And what happens is, I don't know if y'all noticed this, but God usually makes spenders and savers get married. <laughs> Ty's a saver. I'm, I'm a spender. And we, we kind of balance each other. We kind of balance each other out. But if we're not careful, those of you who raised your hands and said, I'm a spender, we can look at the savers and we can be like, yeah, they, they're so frugal, so cheap. Which they cheap. I, I know, I think, I'd be like, Ty, she don't, she's so cheap. I think all the time. And then she looks at me and be like, yo, he's, he's too frivolous. He's reckless with the money. I can't, I can't let him have full access to everything because he'll, he'll spend all the money and she's right. <laughs> I, I had 10 pounds of Jordans. And so 
Spenders and savers are at battle and at odds with each other. But can I tell you, God corrected me this week because I realized even though we're at odds with each other, we both got the same problem. You know what the same problem is? Money is our master. And I know you think because you're a saver, money ain't your master. But it is. you can be hoarding of money and that be your, that be your master. And so here's what I'm searching for. The, the spender is searching for happiness and contentment. The saver is searching for long-term security. Both of these, God provides both. And so those of us in the room that are spenders and safe and savers, all of us have the same issue. Money is our master, and God is like, I want to provide the happiness. I want to provide the security. I want to provide the joy. So stop spending and saving in a way that your heart is knitted to the world. There's a third, a third type. And the third type is, I think, a more kingdom type. Stewards. Because stewards is a person that doesn't look at money for happiness, nor do they look at money for security. They know that God provides, provides both happiness and security. So they're able to save a little bit, spend a little bit, and be generous with the rest. That's a good steward. And those of us who are in the room, like, well, I'm a spender and I'm a saver. I'm not saying you're not tithing, but I think we could be better stewards over, what God, uh, over God's money. Why? Because at the core of it is a trust issue. Look at verse 26 with me, y'all. Verse 26, I know I'm bouncing around all over the place. Verse 26 says, look at the birds of the air. Now, he's going to be talking to spenders and savers here. Two different analogies. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sword nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly fathers feed them. Are you not of more value? And which one of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed like one of these. But if God clothes the grass of the field or the wildflowers of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear for the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added to you. He's literally addressing all of us in the room that, wrote, that raised our hand and said, I'm a spender or a saver. And here's how he does that. First, he talks to the saver. He says, hey, those of you who are building those, you know, patting that bank account and, and, and you know, you, 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 you stack, stacking up. Those of you who are doing that, I need you for a second. Stop looking at your bank account and look at the birds because the birds of the air ain't stacking. The birds of the air ain't toiling all night trying to figure out what I'm going to do. That's not what the birds of the air are doing. The Bible says that the birds of the air don't sow nor reap, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. In other words, the birds trust God more than you and I. Because birds ain't anxious. A bird is not sitting on another bird's, in another bird's nest for therapy because they don't know what to do about financial issues. That's not what they're doing. Birds are free to just... And I don't know how they worship God, but they're free to know that they're creation. And I, I, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, those of us who are savers, if we're not looking at the birds a little bit more. But then there's the spenders. He says, but look at the wildflowers. He said, the wildflowers are beautiful. In fact, he brings in Solomon. He says, Solomon, I bet you Solomon got more money than everybody in this room. 
and everybody that's watching right now. And so my guess is that he had the finer things in life when it came to clothes. He said, look at the wildflowers and the lilies. They are adorned and dressed better than Solomon. And so for those of us who sit up and we're trying to find them Jordans and those of us who have to have the latest gadget and the next thing, he's like, y'all need to stop looking at spending and start looking at the lilies. Because God dresses the lilies and they're more beautiful than how you're dressing. Guess what? They're here today and gone tomorrow. That's what the text says. And so as I'm sitting up on goat, God is chipping at my heart going, you, you worried about adorning the outside. Solomon did that. He's not more beautiful than the lilies. God is in charge of both satisfaction, pleasure, and security. Well, Pastor B, I feel you, but what should I do with my money then? If, if I shouldn't spend it and I shouldn't sp- save it, you know, I'm not saying, by the way, I'm not saying, I think, I, I think financial stewardship, revol- a lot of it revolves around wisdom. I'm not telling you to empty the bank account. I think it would be foolish. Don't get homeless. That's foolish. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying, I wonder if your bank account reflects where your heart is. Look at what he says here in verse 19, because some of you are going, well, what should I do with my money? Verse 19 and 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus is like, look, I know y'all so, so, so adamant about spending and saving, but I need, let's move that out the way for a little bit. Let's make sure that our hearts aren't showing that we're knitted to the world by our spending. And some of you in the room, you think the thing that identifies your spiritual growth is your prayer life. Please pray. I'm not saying don't pray. You think that what identifies your spiritual growth is your, is your Bible intake. Please read your Bible. But the greatest litmus test of your spiritual growth is where you're spending money. So over the last month, I just need you to do me a favor. Go on, just take an inventory. Go on your bank account. Just look at your spending over the last month, just the last month, and tell me where your master really is. Because some of us don't think about it. You know, Gabe did the announcements and the, you know, the, the QR code popped up and you, know, you, saw the, you saw the number. And some of us are like, oh, that's just that part of service. No, that's worship. Because worship doesn't stop when the worship team gets off. My giving is worship. My giving is honoring God. And so where your money is tied shows a lot about where your heart is. And listen, don't be reckless. I believe in ownership. I believe in smart investments. I believe in financial literacy. I believe in financial legacy. And so all of these things are important. But if all of your money is tied up in in earth, here's what the scripture says. Moth and rust is going to destroy it. Thieves are going to break in and steal it. Let me tell you where moth and rust can't destroy. What you are laying up for yourself in terms of treasures in heaven. Can we do something with that phrase, y'all? Is anybody a little uneasy about that phrase? Am I the only one that read up, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven and went, what does that mean? How do I lay up for my, is there some spiritual bank account that I am actually investing in that when I get there, all the digs and everything is laid out for me? Do you realize that there are actual, actual rewards in heaven based on your financial stewardship now? You know why I got quiet? And it did that in the first service too. You know why I got quiet? Because you think I'm preaching a prosperity gospel. Let me put y'all in the Bible real quick because y'all, y'all think I'm going crazy. Matthew chapter 19, verse 21. Watch this generosity. Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell all of your possessions. Here's generosity and give it to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. 
Let me go through another verse, Matthew chapter 10, verse 42, more generosity. Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is my disciple, truly I say to you, by no means he will lose his reward. Okay, Matthew chapter 5, verse 12, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 8, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord uh, the righteous judge will reward me on that day. One more. Luke chapter 6, verse 23. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. So no, 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 no. You can't take your money with you to heaven. But there is a way that you can give right now that has kingdom impact. That has a heavenly impact. And here's why, I get, here's why I get so nervous with people that don't give to the kingdom. Here's why I get nervous. Because I wonder, I'm not saying you won't be in heaven or you won't be a believer because you don't get, that's not what I'm saying. But I will say, I wonder what the rewards will look like. Because the scriptures just told me that when you give to the kingdom of God, you're giving to something that outlasts you. And when you get to heaven, there's a reward that is awaiting you for your giving. And guess what? That, re that reward is untouched by rust. The text says it's untouched by moth. That, the, that text just says that you don't need a security code to access that reward because thieves are not able to break in and steal it. Now, for some of you in the room, you're sitting there going, oh man, like if I, you know, I, I really, like if, if I give, I'll, I'll have to forego some temporary pleasures. Yeah, you might. You, you don't think I wanted those Jordans? This is therapy. I'm, this is therapy for me. Like, there are some temporary pleasures that you might forego as it relates to investment in the kingdom, but the reward in heaven is so great, I ain't thinking about, I'm not on goat in heaven. Y'all, like, whatever it is that you were saving up and saving up and saving up for, if you think that that thing's going to have some kingdom significance, it won't. Only the investment into the kingdom has a, yields a reward in heaven. Only investment into the kingdom. And so many of us are, are, are so stingy with our money and our money is only tied up in now and tied up in temporary pleasures now. But I mean, how many of y'all know as Christians, we are awaiting a savior. We are waiting for Jesus to return. And when he returns, I don't want to be rewardless. I want to get to heaven and be like, oh man, I've invested. I've sold time. I've sold energy. I've sold any skills and giftings that you put in me. But guess what? I've also sold financially. He says, for where your treasure is, in verse 21, there your heart will be also. Anybody heard that verse before? Wherever your money is tied, that, that really is your God. And I realized, you know, last week when I was playing games with, 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 with the sneakers, I realized that I actually have misplaced affections. Your profession says you trust in the Lord. Your bank account says you trust in the world. That's, I know that God got at my heart. Because some of you, you think just because you memorized some scripture that you and God are good. And God is like, no, 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 but what you doing with that money? I gave you that job. I gave you that promotion. You are so in love with the world and your bank account reflects it. Let me read C.S. Lewis to you. Here's what C.S. Lewis says. He says, prosperity and wealth knits a person's heart to the world. For they feel that they are finding their place in it, while really the world is finding its place in them. That's what's happening when you are giving all of your money to yourself, when you are putting all your money. And some of us, as we talk about masters and lords, some of us, the master of our life is food. 
Some of us, the master of our life is clothes. Some of us, the master of our life is vacations. And some of us, the master of our lives is, is that savings account and that 401k plan and that, that yielding, whatever that is. We, we think all of this is what, but at the end of the day, Jesus is like, yo, I'm so much more of a better master. Your attendance doesn't show your spiritual growth. Your giving does. Your, 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 your serving in ministry doesn't show your spiritual growth. You think because I got up and preached today and showed my spiritual growth? No, 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 no. When I sit down and I tap into to giving, that's what shows my spiritual growth. And so in the scripture today, he says, man, where is your heart? Is your heart, is your heart showing that you were tied here to the earth? Or are you, verse 21, laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven? I don't know what that looks like, but I can't wait to find out. I can't wait to find out. Now, when I consider the generosity of Jesus followers and I consider the generosity of non-believers, because you do know you don't have to be a believer to be generous. I, I know people who are extremely generous and are not believers. But when you consider, let's do it this way. Consider what you make and one of your coworkers that you know is somewhere in the same vicinity, right? The same tax bracket as you. When you consider your giving and their generosity to charities, is it the same? And here's why it shouldn't be the same. Because if I give to Red Cross, that's earthly. It stays here. I'm not saying don't, but it's earthly. It stays here. There is no Red Cross in heaven. But as a believer, I'm investing in something that outlasts the 70 years I got here or 80 or 90 years that I got here on the earth. I'm giving to something that has major significance. Let me read these stats to you. An average American Christian gives 2.5 of their income to their faith, whereas non-believers give 1.8 to charities. Now, yeah, you the Christian may give a little bit more, but let's be clear, 1.8 and 2.5 is pretty much the same thing. So we're both giving the same amount, and I got the truth of the gospel I got the reality that Jesus saved me. I got the reality that, 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 that forever actually means forever. Eternity actually means eternity. Why am I not invested in that? Do you realize that 53% of our church, let me come here local, because I just want American Christians, right? But local here. At Epiphany Church, 53% of the people in this room give to Epiphany Church. 53. And praise God. I'm, I'm so grateful because we can't do ministry. We can't do mission without your generosity. God, don't just drop a stack in the bank. It is based on your giving. So thank you. But here's what I have. Here's the question I have. The other 47%, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm trying to give you something. You are missing out. You are missing out on what God is trying to give you. Well, Pastor B, what is God trying to give me? He's trying to build your trust. Because generosity is not what God wants from us. I'm not, I didn't lose my place. Generosity is not what God wants from us. It is what God wants for you. And some of you in this room have been hoarders of your money. And you serve a God that provides. You know, God says stuff like, my nickname is Jehovah Jireh. When your nickname is the God that provides, can we trust that he actually does provide? We serve a God that knows how to make a Red Sea open up. We serve a God that makes water come out of a rock. We serve a God that when the children of Israel wandered around the wilderness for 40 years, do you know that we serve a God that provided every single day for them? They never not ate. They had manna falling from heaven. They had water coming from rocks. We serve a God that takes the boy, little boy's lunch and, and feeds and multiplies and makes uh, much out of it. And you're worried about paying bills? 
How are you worried about paying bills when you serve a God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills? How are you worried about paying bills when you serve a God that looks at dead stuff and says, get up out the grave and come on? How, do we, how are we worried? We serve a God that's generous. We serve a God that provides. And so it's really a trust issue at the core. And here's the thing, you know, I've been walking with the Lord for some time now, and I feel like David in Psalm 37, where, where David says, I once was young, but now I'm old, and I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I ain't worried about the bill when I serve a God that knows how to pay it. What you worried about? It's a trust issue. At the core, it's not, a, it's not about money. It's about trust. It's about dependency. It's about relying on the Lord. And some of you are at that, you're at that place in your, in your spiritual life where God wants to know whether you're going to make the decision to jump out in this thing called faith or if you're going to be a pansy and stay doing what you were doing. Years ago, Ty and I went to, uh, we went to Cabo for vacation. This was many years ago. And we did this excursion where we got in this boat and they took us out into the water and it felt like we were going way out in the sea and the waves were starting to get heavy. And then from a far distance, I saw this, this huge rock that was protruding out of the water. And so the, the excursion was they took the boat and they put it up next to the rock and we were supposed to get out of the boat and climb up the rock and we were supposed to jump. Now, from far away, I'm like, Ty, I can do that. That's, now, I don't like heights. I'm like, Ty, I can do that. She's like, I can do it too. So we both, we climbed up the top of the rock, and we had a moment where both of us had a decision to make, whether we were going to jump or we weren't. Now, I felt Randy Jackson in my spirit. I said, yeah, this is a no for me, dog. <laughs> so I went back down where I came from, and, you know, Ty's so shady, she pulled out her phone because she had it in the case, you know, to, to jump in the water. And so she, 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 you know, panned it on me and was going, you pansy, you pansy as I'm climbing down. And she had that moment where she could have went back the same way that she came, but she decided to do something new and she decided to jump. And I believe, I believe that some of you in this room, as I sat right here and I was praying and I was going, God, what would help us to spiritually grow? I am convinced that the one area that you are lacking growth in is generosity. And here's the thing. I know you're looking at me going, oh, he talking to her. He, I hope he not, you know. Some of y'all come up to me afterwards and be like, well, you know, I feel like you were really talking to me. I am. <laughs> I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, bro. I'm talking. You're like, oh, he's looking at me. Yeah. I'm talking to you. You know why I'm talking to you? Because God is not trying to rob you. He's trying to give you something today. What is he trying to give you? The gift of trust. That can only be developed when you give it away. It can only be developed. And listen, please, again, don't hear me say go out of here and be homeless. That's not my, that's not my goal. That's not my goal. I've preached on money before. And I don't know if y'all remember that one time I preached on money. And then we, this, we was a little smaller so we could do it back then. Y'all remember we, we, had the, we had the welcome team come around with the, the, the offering baskets and you thought that we were going to say put something in it and we actually had a bunch of money in it. We said take money out. Y'all remember that? We asked y'all take money out and do something with it, man. Give it to somebody else. Go have lunch. Go get you a number seven with cheese from the, you know, McDonald's. Don't eat McDonald's. Get, you know, get some of one of these local spots. Like we, we blessed y'all. Why? Because we, as a church, I didn't want to preach on generosity and then we not be generous. 
So we, we, we pulled out money out of the bank account. We put it in cash. We had 10s and 20s. And, you know, we just randomly gave it out to you guys. That's not happening today. <laughs> it's not happening today. <laughs> Caleb said, bless God. But here, here's, what is, here's what is going to happen. The reverse should happen. And if y'all are sitting here going, oh, man, that's one of those pastors, man, that always, always talking about money. Listen, I promise you, my, I don't have an agenda. No, that's not true. I do. Here's my agenda. My agenda is not to look at the bank account tomorrow and be like, Gabe, how much came in? That's not my agenda. You know what my agenda is? Is to see you trust the Lord in this area that's been a tyrant over your life. Be freed from it. Money's bought. Be freed from it. It's just money. It's just, I'm serious when I say that. It's just, I love being generous because God is generous to me. Because in the gospel that he gave his one and his only son, you can play something, Matthias. He gave his one and his only son. That's generosity. And then here's Jesus' generosity, the, the, the willingness to go to the cross and die on my behalf. That is my motivation. The reason I give is not because I'm scared to be cursed with a curse. Curse is he that hung on a tree. The book of Galatians tell me I give because my motivation is based off a foundation that Jesus has been generous and good to me. Show of hands. Has he been generous to anybody in the room? Come on. Come on. Now, I'm not going to ask you to do this, but just in your heart, would you say you've been generous back to him? I gave him my time. That doesn't mark your spiritual life. Jesus just said where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So I believe that God wants somebody to jump and not go back down the mountain like I did. If y'all could do me a favor, and I'm not, this is, I'm, I know this, God, this feels like a word of faith, church, and I don't mean it to. Pull that number back up, because I think that there are some people right now, that I'm talking about the giving number. I can't see it, but if y'all could do me a favor, pull up the, 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 the QR or whatever it is that y'all pull up for offering, because here's why. I want to give you another chance. Because when the chance came the first time, we was, on, we was on Instagram, you know, we was talking, we was doing our, you know, because, you know, Gabe was up here and we, that's the thing he does. No, it's the thing that builds your trust. It's the thing that builds your dependency because he's good and gracious. And if you're in here and you don't give, like, man, God bless you. You're shortchanging yourself because God is a faithful God. I'm going to read this and I'm going to pray. Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings that there will not be even room to store it. We've mishandled this verse and we walk out of here thinking every time I give, he'll open up the window. But what if he opened up the window and it was more favor and grace towards sharing the gospel with others? What if, what if he opened up the window and it came back in physical healing? And what if he opened up the window and it came back in peace and restoration in your marriage and, and, and peace in your siblings and peace in your friendships? That's the kind of storehouse I need open. And here's what I know about every house. When he says, I open up the window, every house has more windows than doors. And when you consider the, the mansions that God talks about in the book of Revelation, that's a whole lot of windows that he's able to pour out 
blessings on you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. <clears throat> Father, we thank you so much for your provision. You've provided in ways that we can't even imagine. You've provided in ways that we don't even know about. But Lord, I thank you, oh God, that it's, it's probably true. May, I don't want to paint this with a broad stroke, but it's probably true that there's not a person in this room that has gone without eating because they didn't have money. We may not be eating what we want to, but you provide the way you provide for the birds of the air. And so, Lord, I pray, oh God, that we would not be reckless nor frivolous with our money. Pray that we would not be spenders or savers in a way that ties us to this world, but that we would be good stewards over the things that you have given us, where we would make smart investments and smart financial decisions and yeah, that we would spend a little bit. I pray that somebody would go on vacation and would, you know, take some time off. I pray those things. But Lord, I also pray that we would give in a way that shows that we are kingdom bound. That shows that, our, our, that earth and the shiny objects in the earth don't have a hold on our affections. But what has a hold on our affections is the truth of who you are. Lord, you've been good. You've been kind. You've been generous. Lord, forgive us for sitting at the laptop looking for what we we're going to spend on ourselves without a thought of giving to your kingdom. So Lord, I pray, oh God, that as, as some people said, you know what, today, today's that day I am going to give. I pray, oh God, that you would multiply what's in their account because of their obedience. I know you ain't going to promise that. I get it. I understand it. But Lord, I'm charismatic enough to pray that you will provide need after need after need as we sow it to your kingdom and we give to you that the, the money, oh God, that, that you would return it, oh God, somehow, some way. And Lord, at the end of the day, Lord, I pray that you would build our trust that we would be relying on you because you've never failed us and you've never let us down. Thank you for your provision. Now let me be generous back to you. It's in the name of your son we pray. Amen.